Tappa tappa tappa. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 23rd draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. We did it, Matt. 23. 23. We we're, did it. We're done. We're, we're That's done. That's it. Michael Jordan. Uh, didn't we make the same joke on the 20th or... Probably. I forget when we I don't, that. I don't get but, sport references. Uh, or something else we made the same joke. Um, how you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's a Wednesday as we're recording this. I uh, had a uh, Mabel's croissant. Uh, I have my overly priced uh, bottled uh, frappuccino. Starbucks frappuccino. I find from those a things, convenience store next door. I feel like they're too sugary. Yeah, it's really sugary. Um, I like. I wish they sold either the cold brew or just the iced coffee. Remember, they used to sell them in like the glass bottles. It was just yeah. the black iced coffee, or you can get iced coffee with just the milk, and it wasn't so sugary. But it's uh, it's sickly sweet. Like it's just like every time you taste it, it just feels like it's mostly sugar. Yeah, and I mean, I also had a problem with my Starbucks today, where I feel like I got pure cold brew concentrate, not mixed with any water. So I had like a quarter of it and i was like bouncing off the walls so you have david cronenberg's the shivers you know it as i take another sip um but if you guys didn't know this is the untitled movie podcast each and every week eric and i get together talk about movies talk about our lives talk about croissants talk about what's going on in the the news uh more more so movie news not just general news and um we got a huge Huge show this week. I can't believe... Last week, I remember us talking and going, ah, nothing happened. We don't really have that much to talk about. And we kind of did a normal episode, and it was uh, pretty solid. You guys should check that out. Um, This week, we have an unbelievable amount of stuff. We have a crazy amount of trailers, because we got the Avengers Endgame trailer. A lot of exciting movie news. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer. There's tons of movie news. Um, We just got a massive, massive show. So It's going to uh, be... Huge. You guys are in for, uh, I don't know if I'm not going to say a treat, but you're going to in for the long haul with us today. <laughs> uh, I can't guarantee it'll be any good. I but. recommend drinking a coffee because it helps expedite the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you guys like this, we actually do another podcast uh, called The Untitled Movie Reviews, where Eric and I get together and review a movie, usually in a bite-sized form, much shorter than this podcast, usually 20, 25 minutes. Uh, we have episodes up for Captain Marvel and Triple Frontier right now. And uh, this week, we will also have reviews of Jordan Peele's Us on Friday, as well as um, Matt Hames' Waiting for the Punchline, which is a documentary about uh, Nick Scarpino and his comedy career in San Francisco, which is a podcaster that I really like it kind of funny that you guys have probably heard me talk about. So on Rooster Teeth, uh, they're dropping that documentary on Friday. So Eric and I are going to review that as well. Uh, next week, we got a big week as well. We have reviews for Dumbo as well as The Beach Bum coming next week. And I think that's everything in the next uh, yeah. uh, week or so. So lots of great stuff over there. So please, if you guys could go over there, subscribe, rate on that channel as well. That would be fantastic. Uh, other than that, man, what have you been watching? Uh, I, you know, I've been watching a little bit, but before uh, I, I dive into uh, our letterbox ratings and what sure, we reviewed, yeah. I wanted just to give a quick shout out um, to a podcast that I've been listening to for 10 years now. Oh, my God. Um, the first uh, episode I listened to was their Inglorious Bastards episode back in 2009. 2009. Yeah. So 10 years, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's called Film Junk, and they're out of St. Catharines, and uh, the lineup in terms of hosts right now is Sean Dwyer, Jay Teal, and uh, Frank Knezic. 
And on Sunday, they're going to be having their 700th episode. They've been doing this for around 14 years now. Um, they uh, have been using equipment for around that period of time. So when they started, they've used the same mics, the oh, same really? computers. So this is why they're having this kind of um, telethon to kind of you know ask people for raise donations some yeah, and raise cool. some money and stuff like that. And um, it's going to be a uh, live stream uh, podcast and and uh, video or vodcast on uh, twitch.tv slash film junk podcast great starting at 3 p.m uh, eastern and again they're very funny uh very likable guys uh jay actually has um a new series on shutter that's coming out uh later this year called cursed um which is about uh cursed film productions mm-hmm. um so i'm always excited to uh, listen to them each and every week he's a great and, filmmaker too like yeah yeah like, beauty day and and how to build a time machine are excellent and and i like the other guys as well and it's a, it's going to be probably a really fun show. I don't know how long it's going to be. It'll probably be like, you know, judging uh, by their uh, standards, it'll probably be like three to four hours long. Nice. But um, it'll be a, a a live show, so it'll be exciting. So I hope people give it a shot. Cool, yeah. And yeah. you said Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. Sunday at three p.m. Eastern time. They're trying to hit as many time zones as possible, right, so people sense. can tune in. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess, is the best. Yeah, um, window of, noon of time. on the west yeah. coast. Yeah, and then yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Yeah, good for them. Seven hundred episodes is crazy. I mean, I would love to know how many episodes we've done. Not even close to that, obviously. But um, if you combine our run at, on Movie Monarchy and a sh- very short run on <laughs> Toronto film scene, right? Uh, how many episodes of that did we even do? I think it was uh, probably in the twenties to thirties on Toronto somewhere? film scene. Yeah, I, I think. It? Well, I think the Toronto film scene stuff was actually the shortest. That's what of, I mean. Of yeah, the three. But I mean, like in terms of if we were to include the Toronto film scene and, and movie monarchy. movie movie monarchy, yeah, together. Yeah. Anyways, good times. But yeah, the film junk dudes are great, and um, definitely check that out, guys, and and support them. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a big ad advocate for supporting creators that don't necessarily force you to pay for their content but if you enjoy it um to send them some money like again i talk about the kind of funny guys all the time and they're my favorite podcasters and i uh, i support their patreon every month for like a significant not a significant amount of money but like more than i even pay monthly for things like netflix and things like that just because these guys went out on their own they're doing their thing and i i consume their content almost every day right and i know with you with film junk you're constantly same i i buy their premium podcasts and and they only uh you know make you pay a dollar minimum Mm -hmm. so like they're not they're not asking for a handout they're just asking for support of course and 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 if you enjoy their content i'm i'm a big believer of paying for the stuff you enjoy and you want to support Right. That's why I think uh, I would get in arguments with people all the time where they'd be people who used to download films and things like that. And I, I never really I dabbled a little bit in pirating films and stuff when I was in college and an idiot kid and stuff like that. But then as I became as I had my own income and I started working, I just never believed in in stealing something that you could pay for and supporting the things that you you love. Well, so and also I'm learning a, about, you know, the industry that you're interested in and understanding what goes into making a movie or putting together a song or or whatever you enjoy there's there's you know artistry and hard work that goes into it and you know a lot of people that you don't see whether it be technicians or people behind the scenes so you want to support them in some way and yeah and that's the best way to do it is 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 to try to pay for it and also i mean you're going to get 
hopefully a decent quality when it comes to paying for something unless you go to uh a, you know cineplex in toronto somewhere because they're masking and uh, uh sound system isn't the greatest but we recently also saw uh captive state because we did an episode of cinema sure, scene in there, durham yeah. And went over to Landmark Cinemas, which they're doing renovations right now. Shout out to Landmark Cinemas, man. Yeah, and they're actually doing renovations on the theaters and in the lobby to try to make it a better experience and not just put the money in something that's arbitrary. Exactly. Like a new um, a new experience that no one's really asking for, right? Yeah. And that's maybe a shot at Screen X or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or 4DX yeah. or whatever. Like they, they, like those, they're, they're gimmicks. They are. Like actually to make a few extra dollars, on right? the experience that people go to the movies for. Like I want decent seats, great sound, and proper masking, and updated technology for projectors and things like that. And, you know, for uh, the cosmetics of it, you know, better situate the the uh, the actual uh, concession stand and stuff like that. And, and yeah. this is what Landmark Cinema is doing. And I even like, like, we used to joke about how their, um, like, upcoming trailers and their feature presentation thing was so old and it was funny. Because yeah, because they had, like, had posters for Indiana Takers Jones and, and, uh, and uh, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal The picture Skull. <laughs> of Dorian Gray, which never even got a theatrical yeah. release in North America. Yeah, it's just... Um, but now they have a new one, uh, a, a new, uh, you know, please enjoy the movie quietly and turn off your phones and as it's well. great man yeah. they talk about like we and they even put in there like we care about presentation we care about the sound we care about like the thing they're like we love movies just as much as you do so we care about this stuff the presentation which i thought was really really great and i think they're doing a good job at um at probably realizing that some of the other theaters are <laughs> maybe not paying attention to that stuff so maybe they really should focus on that because i gotta say like if you have a landmark cinemas near you, I don't know if they're all like the whippy location, but they've done a great job changing that from the AMC to, and I liked it when it was still the AMC, but they've yeah, it went from AMC to Empire yeah. to Landmark, and um, they have these amazing, comfortable reclining seats that are almost too comfortable because you want to uh, fall asleep in them, especially and, if it's a movie that you um, are completely checked out of. Yeah, they got um, uh, I can get cherry coke there at any time, which is great, um, and then they're updating all their concessions and the theaters have proper masking the sound and the projection is pretty good sometimes it's off a little bit but i think you're gonna get that at a 24 cinema theater when you still have teenagers mostly running the the place right <laughs> other than the managers and things like that so it's not always going it's not perfect like it's not tiff bell Lightbox, or um i would even say maybe um there's pros and cons. Like even that projection and sound at Alamo Draft House, which they really care about that stuff, and they're usually on a bit smaller scale, so they can focus on that stuff a bit more, is maybe better. But um, my my only pet peeves at Landmark were like I just notice every little thing now at every theater I go to is like sometimes the lights. You're on becoming the floor, an old man, and in, in your um, age of thirty. And just a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. And then, like, the lights off of either the exit signs or the floor sometimes kind of hit the bottom corners of the screen. Right. Which um, is a pet peeve. But uh, other than that, it's probably one of the best movie-going experiences you can get. In, oh, it beats in, Cineplex. Yeah. Uh, like, unfortunately, and, and, and I hate saying that, but... And it's a shame Certain things. I, I will give, like, again, IMAX, I think, is the, the best way to watch a movie if right. something is in IMAX. If you go... And certain IMAX theaters, Scotiabank IMAX particularly, or, or Cinesphere. Yeah, I mean, that's a great theater, and it's unfortunate that um, 
the landmark cinemas faux IMAX isn't as good, but I rather take a landmark cinema screening and have that proper masking and sound yeah. and the attention to actually, you know, having the experience than worrying about, you know, is there a a, a mic that's not off or this isn't fitted properly for the screen? Because they are starting to annoy me as well a lot. And, and as much as I love TIFF, and we've talked about this quite a bit, that we wish that TIFF would play, you know, first run films as well. Right. Or play or maybe get a, a an extension in, on the building and, and have more theaters um you know not every theater can be tiff and that's yeah. unfortunate i just wish that the biggest theater chain in canada actually paid as much attention as landmark does which you know most of them are in the suburbs but do you think it's also because maybe i think this happens with a lot of companies when you get too big um it's hard to actually kind of hunker down and focus on that stuff because landmark is small enough still i think right i think they're bigger on the west coast yes. correct or middle of canada yeah um and uh there is a separate theater chain called landmark in the u.s so if but it's not any, no it's not that it's one, not yeah. that yeah. one so if anyone's listening from the u.s um it's not the same chain as you guys have over there um and i know that uh, i mean i've t- i've listened i mean again talking to people i've heard dolby cinema is really great and i've seen a couple movies in dolby cinema um uh which is obviously the dolby branded kind of like our ultra avx but more specifically dolby where the projection is has dolby vision and it's supposed to be amazing and dolby atmos sound and all of those movies. and the harry potter character sits with you uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i've heard that experience is really really great um but yeah, for the most part, Landmark is is I go out of my way now. I moved from Durham region to Toronto to be in the center of everything and wanting to be close to TIFF and close to uh, theaters at my fingertips. And then uh, the more I spend here, uh, the more I'm like, ah, oh, man, I wish I was closer to Landmark and Whippy now because I've done such a great job. I want to see everything there. Because I think the masking and I, people are probably sick of us talking about it, but and you don't usually if you're a lot of people don't notice it. And like, I've talked to people and they're like, what are you? Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't notice that. And then I get texts from people being like, fuck now I can't unsee it. Since you pointed it out. Um, cause so many movies are shot in that two thirty nine aspect ratio that I just think it looks like dog shit on a, on those screens where you just have the gray screen at the top and bottom. And like, we, we're going to talk about a trailer later that with shifting aspect ratios. And I think some of that even works even more or poorly like even worse in screens that aren't masked properly because then you get these weird fucking squares in the middle of the screen actually two trailers we saw do that because the tarantino movie does this as well because there's some stuff in right in four by three there but it's also a 239 movie so you get this weird kind of square in the middle of the screen and then i don't know it's like the biggest pet peeve of mine that i just don't understand a company I mean, but Cineplex has even come out and been like, oh, we're not just a movie company anymore, right? Like, they're opening up these rec rooms, and they're opening up Palladiums, and they're doing restaurants and things like that, because they are trying to find... We talk about... They're basically becoming a pub. And they're an entertainment company, not necessarily yeah. a movie company, right? But like, you know what I'm talking about with a pub where it's yeah. like they, they, they try to have a variety of food, and they don't have, like, one thing that they're really good at, right. and they kind of try to cover everything, and, and nothing really tastes Movies good. used to be their specialty. Yeah. And then, yeah. And now they've expanded. So now they're diluting what made them special to begin with or what made them noticeable. In and terms I'm not of saying chain. there's a lot of great people who lo- like my friend Jonathan's a manager at Scotiabank and I know he loves movies. And yeah. I mean, you and I'm not saying the company doesn't care. It's just like 
it they're trying they're trying to do too much to your point like yeah they're not focusing on one thing like i would love an advertising campaign where they're just like listen we want to make going to the movies special again i don't want to say make movies great again (laughs) that's that bad connotation to that um but like and i think that's kind of what landmark is doing but i would love to see cineplex because i i've worked i work for that company i have worked for that company i respect that company i I love that company um i some of my i worked at the oshawa cineplex for many many years and i really i really enjoyed myself it was one of my first jobs i opened that theater um and there are people who really care about the movies but in this age where you don't really have a projectionist anymore. So you don't really have someone who's actually just focused on projection. Like that used to be someone's you were assigned and you were one of the two or three projectionists that worked at that theater and your whole shift would be up in the projection booth, right? Where now where everything's automated, uh, you don't really have anyone who's going up there to even start the movies or check them because it's all on a timer and it's all automated because it's all digital. And I'm not going to be one of those old people who are like, oh, digital's bad. Go back to film. Because um, I embrace, like we talked about with the Spielberg and Netflix thing, like you try, I try to embrace it and see how we can benefit from it. But um, yeah, I think we, we will con- consistently on this show talk about the cinematic experience right and and, and also the like cinematic that, but... experience geared towards fans of film and filmmaking and and cinephiles in general because i feel you know to your point of the way that cineplex is marketing you know their entertainment experience overall is like you know it's a it's a it's a night off or, or a once in a while kind of thing for couples. So, you know, we, we want to focus on, you know, the atmosphere of it, not the experience of yeah. going to the movies. So it's like, you know, come and, 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 and dine in our theaters and, and, you know, play a game of pool or um, if we have video games or something and, and, and hang out for a while and, and, and enjoy the night overall. But don't dwell on one thing specifically. It's just kind of like a package deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I love that we have a gigantic episode and we just spent the first 20 minutes talking about. Well, I think it's important. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just giving. This I'm is more shit. interesting to me than what we saw with Captive State. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. So, yeah, <laughs> let's go into what we've watched. So there's a couple. We saw one movie together, which we're not doing a official review for. It didn't screen um, for press. Either. Yeah. Which is always an interesting sign. So we after recording Cinema Scene, as you guys, as you mentioned, which you guys can check out soon. Uh, we'll let you guys know yeah. if it's online line uh anywhere uh great episode we were in and out and we uh got some i got a burrito the size of a small baby it was at, pretty dense at lone star texas grill we were one of four people in there and uh, my favorite part about that was i tried to order a, a vegetarian version of this knife and fork burrito and they were like those are pre-made so i gotta go ask someone and i'm like well i'm glad i change something so it wasn't just sitting somewhere and reheated but right um it was m- massive imagine like a i don't know, yeah a football or something of uh, this giant burrito. it looked really heavy like, i it felt looked just like you, you need two hands to, to lift dude, it dude it took me the whole night to kind of recover and like um and i was so tired during the movie that i started to fall asleep but anyways uh you had fajitas they were seemed good and then yeah uh captive state not good. Woof. It's terrible. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's Russell Wyatt who directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes and his first movie, uh, which is a prison uh, escape drama called The Escapist, uh, which kind of put his uh, name on the on the Hollywood map, so to speak, and got him that Rise of the Planet of the Apes film. Um, 
directs a kind of combination of uh, the Purge and Alienation. And, I mean, the obvious comparison would also, you know, be District 9, yeah. where you have, you know, an alien race um, enslaving uh, humanity and becoming our legislators. I laughed at that part. When you see, like, this text at the beginning, it's like, the aliens are now our legislators. Yeah. And sort of... Uh, the chain of command and how uh, anarchy and order has kind of broken up completely. And we're seeing it in almost a combination of not handheld footage and shaky cam per se, but there is a little bit of that, but almost like surveillance video when sort of looking at these characters fighting a war that seems almost impossible to even um, challenge with this aliens and the humans that are working with the aliens. And it talks about like, you know, the divide between the rich and the poor being even more uh, sort of space between the two. And, and again, like it's, it, it doesn't really have one specific angle that it's trying to go for. It's just, placing all these kind of like oh like let's explore poverty let's explore social and race divide let's let's explore class structure but never really say anything that we don't already know or we couldn't get from uh the subtlety of a purge movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um i don't really have much to say and we don't really need to go deep into it but i thought it was incredibly dull and um uh convoluted yeah and uh half the time i spent going what the fuck is actually happening here or like what what is the point of any of this and um it's just shockingly dull and, and they just kind of drop you yeah, into the world so it takes place mean. in chicago and i never wanted exposition more than I right kinda... right and and it feels like oh you know there was another movie before this to explain everything and and kind of get you up to speed but they're you know confident enough that, enough that the material is um uh, you know, provocative. And there's this whole conversation about, you know, lighting a match and igniting a war and, you know, the rebels versus a revolution. Uh, yeah. The revolution. And, you know, again, the race thing where they're even um, talking about the aliens that look like mutated sea urchins. I had this weird craving for uni after watching the movie um, that, you know, they call them roaches and stuff like that. And, and I feel so bad for Ashton Sanders of moonlight and Jonathan uh, majors, who play brothers in in the film Ashton Sanders is uh, the younger brother who is kind of um, you know their parents have, have were were killed in a horrible uh, alien related uh, attack and you know they've grown up estranged and the one brother Jonathan Majors is kind of like a freedom fighter or like a legend in this like Phoenix Rises kind of thing and when they get together they're actually trying to give good performances in a movie that yeah. isn't worth their time. And I think that's the biggest problem in the movie is that it takes itself way too seriously and it's ends up just being kind of muddled and boring. And yeah, I had, I thought it was probably the, the worst thing or the thing I cared about least that I've seen this entire year. Yeah. So and the end credit scene is basically the same, uh, animation sequence that rise of the planet of the apes had when you saw, you yeah. know, the, the influenza spreading to humans and how, you yeah, know, slightly different, like an, yeah. we won't, I, I mean, who cares? And and John Goodman, who was in Russell Wyatt's last movie in. that you completely forgot about, the uh, Dude, the I Gambler, forgot, which I is a remake, saw it. Um, who he kind of played the, sort of the main heavy in that, um, is just completely phoning it in. Yep, it is uh, very very bad. Um, another movie I saw that um, I want to talk about is uh, John Lee Hancock's The Highwaymen, which is. Uh, 
being released this week at Tip Bell Lightbox in Toronto uh, this Friday, the 22nd. Um, and then it will also be on Netflix uh, next week. Um, went through the press screening of this. Um, I don't really have all that much to say. Um, Other guys... than the, the screening itself at the Lightbox was pristine. Oh, yeah. I lo- again, we can rave about the, the Lightbox. The sound and the projection is fantastic. Uh, didn't help the movie so much. I got to... Uh, for those of you that don't don't know, uh, the Highwaymen is about um, two uh, former uh, Texas Rangers that are now retired, played by um, uh, Kevin Costner and, and Woody Harrelson, um, are uh, have been tasked to come out of retirement to find uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, basically, it follows their kind of travels around America, trying to track them down and and hunt down Bonnie and Clyde. And I mean, that's the one line uh, synopsis. Uh, I just found the movie like, and John Lee Hancock, I just find incredibly dry, dry and just perfectly competent, but he, his movies are never awful, but they're never good either. You're, you are being and, a little generous. Cause I would yeah. say that the blind side is awful. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, I just find him in, like, just kind of like I watch his movies. I'm never like mad that I watch them, but I'm never like I forget about them immediately, and that's the exact kind of sentiment I'm I, I have towards uh, the Highwaymen. Like I like Kevin Costner, I like Woody Harrelson. I think they're both decent with what they're given, uh, but the movie kind of just follows these two old grumpy guys around trying to hunt down Bonnie and Clyde, and then it's just rinse and repeat each time of like. Oh, we just missed them. They're not here. We better go to the next. Dang it! They got away again. Yeah, exactly. And it just kind of happens, and you have no emotional attachment to anything. You have no reaction to anything. You just kind of watch these events unfold. It has that. Uh, again, everything's perfectly competent. I don't think anything's necessarily like poorly done, but it just—it's just, just the perspective really isn't you know, that like interesting. Generic. Kind of like even the score sounds like that generic templated like inspirational kind of uh, score that you hear in all of his movies. I feel like too, and just um, yeah, the movie just kind of happens, and I watched it, and I was like, huh, okay, that was it. And um, I don't even call it a Netflix movie because like we used to joke about like oh it's a Netflix movie, meaning it was like pretty bad. Um, I don't necessarily even think this is bad, but like, like when we were watching, well, heartthrob Thomas Mann is in it, right? Yeah, Thomas Mann does have a, a small role in it, and um, Kathy Bates is in there as as the governor, I believe, of uh, Texas, and um, yeah, it's just I don't I don't know. I don't well, really you you were also talking to me after you saw it that it kind of has this angle that you know, with Costner and Harrelson playing these. Uh, Texas Rangers that it's like the old guard coming out of retirement to take on a new form of crime that's become violent and the youth today are are even more aggressive and rebellious than they have been previously a thousand percent and I mean I again yeah that's there but I just didn't care about any because they talk about machine guns Um, and stuff like that they do yeah Yeah. and they uh, it's all again the old guard of the of the Texas Rangers and the and how they hunt they were notorious for hunting down all the worst criminals right but then it was kind of like a the the old west right we don't uh, it eventually died out we're we're sophisticated now we don't do that kind of stuff anymore but then when a type of criminal like Bonnie and Clyde come where they just you just don't understand you've never seen them before to get these guys who used to ride on their horses and just hunt down people right and yeah. then um 
but it's not even that like i never believed that either harrelson or costner were that type of like character either but like well especially woody uh, harrelson who i mean yeah. obviously his real life persona is being kind of like a stoner hippie type yeah. you think that he's more passive but i, I didn't find play the of, lawman yeah quite well. they, they but i just didn't get that hard edge for right. most of it either but maybe that's what they're trying to say that these guys have sort of changed but they still need to do this or they find like they want to be that still so they need to kind of it's their they they both are kind of not happy in what their lives are at this moment um and uh they need that satisfaction of hunting down bonnie and clyde and yeah i just thought it was uh, perfectly mediocre not so great middle of the road and it's especially you know, frustrating when, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, the Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty movie yeah. is still just as good as it was, you know, over, what, 50 years ago almost? Yeah. Um, so it's like, we'll just watch that, you know? And, and I mean, that movie is aggressive and violent and uh, really well done and, and put together. And then they even did that kind of mediocre TV series with uh, Emile Hirsch and Holiday Granger a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, a Bonnie and Clyde series as well. So, like, I understand the fascination but behind them, but, I mean, if you're going to do the movie, you, you have to think, like, how can I bring a fresh perspective to something that's already been done almost perfectly? And I'm sure that's what they were trying to do by having it focus on the Highwaymen in, uh, instead, but... I just didn't care about them. I'm like, right. oh, Bonnie and Clyde are more interesting. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you here. And they're barely, they like, they're just kind of side characters played by, I'm not even sure who the actors are that play Bonnie and Clyde, but um, yeah, it's, it's not great, but I would recommend um, in terms of John Lee Hancock's, uh, filmography, uh, A Perfect World, which starred Kevin Costner as a prisoner who kidnaps a kid and goes on the run with them. Um, it's directed by Clint Eastwood, and it's probably one of Eastwood's most underrated movies of the 90s. Um, Eastwood's also in the film, and so is Laura Dern, and it kind of doesn't really get talked about too much. So instead of seeing The Highwaymen, seek out that movie instead. There we go. Uh, and I'll run through some other stuff that I watched and you can kind of chime in with, uh, yours as well. We don't need to go deep into this cause we have tons of other stuff we need to talk about, but, uh, I watched Olympus has fallen and London has fallen, <laughs> uh, cause prepping for angel has fallen, which is coming out in August. I think, uh, those movies are so dumb and stupid, but I love them. They're really bad, but, uh, makes you thirsty, thirsty as fuck, man. Uh, they're really stupid, but I uh, like them. I did go see Apollo 11 at Lightbox. Yep. Um, I was exhausted, and I was dozing in and out. That being said, the movie's great. It's not a fault against the movie. It is dry, but like, um, it. it I, I agree with everything that you said. I think you talked about it last week or the week before. Yeah, it's like, very experimental, and, yeah. and it doesn't you know lean on documentary tropes that are usually afforded to most films of that nature, where it has to explain everything that's going on to you through voiceover and animated graphics it actually just allows you to be a part of this monumental experience that happened 50 years ago yeah i thought it was excellent the footage is looks unbelievable i saw it in 4k at lightbox i'm sure the imax version was spectacular as well um but it it's it's incredible how well that footage held up and and it shot on 65 or 70 millimeter and 65 um, and then they blew it up to 70 millimeter and they also did 
uh, rescans and resyncing of the audio. Yeah. So when they're in like mission control, um, so you the lips and the voices make sense. When it looks talking. it looks like it was shot yesterday. It's it, it's crazy. It really really is. Um, then I started Mission Impossible. Um, this again. Um, I actually. My iTunes versions got upgraded to 4K last year, but I already did a rewatch last year before Fallout, so they were just in 1080p. But speaking of our favorite podcast again, uh, I talk about the kind of funny in review series. They just wrapped up uh, their Fast and Furious in review and then did a Captain Marvel review, and now they've moved on to uh, Mission Impossible in review because they're six weeks leading to Infinity, or I mean Endgame, which they'll be reviewing. So they fit in the six Mission Impossible movies. And what's cool about that is a lot of the guys have, or not a lot, I think one or two of them haven't seen them before. Um, so it's kind of cool. It'll be cool to get their first reaction. So Ooh, I mission impossible um, too. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Everyone like the, the John Wooiest. Uh, so I rewatched the first mission impossible. Um, again, a series I think that gets better and better as it goes along. Um, other than two. <laughs> uh, so the first one is, uh, a little slow compared to the rest of them. I still do really enjoy it. I think, um, uh, it looks great in 4K, and uh, not much else to say there, but um, it, it it still holds up pretty well, I think. It is a very much a 90s movie, but um, dug it a lot. Uh, and then I started watching Love, Death, and Robots. On, this is the uh, David Fincher-produced David series? David Fincher, Tim Miller, um, who directed Deadpool. Um, he has an animation company called Blur. and um, Not to be confused with the band. No, yeah, Song 2. Um, so they released their Love, Death, and Robots anthology series on Netflix. So I think there's between 10 and 15, 18 episodes or something, um, of this uh, anthology series. Everything is done in a kind of different style of animation and, uh, is a separate story that either has something to do with love, death, or robots. Um, I've watched three episodes so far, uh, really, really enjoying it. Um, each episode is only between... Like, I think the shortest one is like five or six minutes, and then the longest one is like 18 minutes. So they're like really bite sized. You can get in and out or just watch a couple or just one really, really quickly. Um, there was one that I really liked called The Witness, which was, um, I think I read online, someone tweeted it out being it has the same animation supervisor as uh, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. So the animation style is very similar to that. Um, but it, everything is obviously very dark, R-rated. Um, I, I really, really dug the three episodes. One was very funny about these three robots that are in this post-apocalyptic world where humans are extinct and they're kind of learning about humanity as they explore this city. Right. Um, Reminds me and, of the Flight of the Concord song, The Humans Are Dead. Yeah. So, um, dude, I think you... I, I, I'd say check it out. It's um, it's You can just they're easily watchable because they're so short. And, right. It kind of, uh, it kind of sounds similar to, um, heavy metal. It is. That's, I think, remember David Fincher was going to do heavy metal. Yeah. Or, I think a bunch of people were and about then, to do heavy metal and it got passed down this, from one director to the this next. feels like what inspired this. Right. Um, a thousand percent. So, um, I really dug all three episodes that I watched and, uh, I plan on watching the rest of them. It was pretty cool. Anything else you watched? Uh, yes. Yeah. I watched, uh, quite a bit. Um, I saw the, uh, oddly offensive romantic teen drama, 
five feet, five feet, uh, five feet apart, um, which is basically uh, cystic fibrosis, a love story, and it's more interested in selling a soundtrack and a series of montages than exploring what it's like to live with cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, preteens will maybe enjoy it for the romance between Haley Lou Richardson and uh, Cole Sprouse from uh, Riverdale, who plays Jughead. Um, but it's just your definition of this vapid, um, you know, love story that feels almost like, you know, Nicholas Sparks wrote this in between writing one of his quote-unquote opuses. Um, it's it's borderline bad. Like it's 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 competent in terms of its filmmaking, but it feels like it is an extended music video that doesn't want to actually tackle tackle the 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 illness in question, and it's just using it as you know, uh, a plot, a plot device, device and, yeah. and a motivation to kind of have these characters in a one location and yeah. meet. And it's just, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's brutal. But a movie that opened in the U.S. Uh, last week and is opening in Toronto on Friday uh, that is really, really good is The Mustang with uh, Matthias Schoenhartz. And it's about a sort of... Um, misanthropic convict who has spent a lot of his time in solitary confinement and um, gets assigned to uh, maintenance work uh, in this Nevada uh, prison and he is um, tasked with looking after a horse and joins this wild horse program and they tame uh, wild mustangs for auction and Every time you think that the movie is going to go in a cliched kind of way, it doesn't. Um, Bruce Stern's in the movie as well as this ornery cowboy uh, instructor. Um, the movie has a very um, stripped down, minimalistic kind of approach to it. Uh, the filmmaker who directed this movie, um, she's um, first time filmmaker in terms of uh, English language stuff, French filmmaker, and I'm going to butcher her name, but it's Lore... De Claremont Tourney, um, who, again, you know, any pitfall you think that the movie is going to have, she goes the opposite way and makes it a very earnest film. And I didn't even recognize um, uh, Gideon uh, Alden, who was in Blockers, who played Ike Barinholtz's uh, daughter, who plays oh. Matthias Schoenhardt's daughter in this. Um, and they have some of the best scenes together in this movie. And I was just kind of completely taken off guard by it because I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like this, you know, feel good kind of movie about redemption. And it is that, but it does it in a way that's never sentimental and it's always earned. Um, so I would highly recommend checking out uh, The Mustang if it's playing near you or if it's opening uh, soon. And it's it's fantastic. And we were talking, obviously, about uh, the captive state. And I even mentioned to you after the screening that there are touches of uh, David Cronenberg in there, you know, technology and the physical body manifesting itself. But, you know, obviously his movies usually do it better. And he just recently turned 76. So I rewatched um, The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken and... In my opinion, I think it's probably one of the best Stephen King adaptations, and it's weird that it does not have a Blu-ray release yet. Um, it's just surprising. Uh, Paramount released it originally, and um, it's one of Walken's best performances, and it's just really unsettling. It's not necessarily like a full Cronenberg experience. Like, if you want to get, like, 
what Cronenberg is, the essence of him as a filmmaker, I would recommend Videodrome or The Fly first. Yeah. But there are unsettling moments in the dead zone that feel like they have those nice touches that Cronenberg was able to bring that no other filmmaker could. And again, like Christopher Walken in that movie is, you know, at peak performance and it's, it's an incredible piece of work. It's unsettling. So it'll be interesting um, to see, you know, Pet Cemetery coming up and seeing if, you know, they're able to remake that and, and, and really, you know, go back to the book. Um, I also rewatched um, Earl Morris's, um, seminal Pet Cemetery doc, as we we're talking about Pet Cemetery, uh, Gates of Heaven, which is sort of focused on the owners of animals who are being buried at this pet cemetery, and it's very eccentric, very weird. But it's why I love documentaries because it's it's character based, and you yeah. focus on these people and sort of get to know them and their lives. And watching the movie, it's just really, really enjoyable. Cool. Yeah. That's it. I saw some other stuff as well, but yeah. I mean, like, I'll have reviews for the aftermath coming up soon, so it's all good. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, let's move on to staying at home. I want to suggest uh, a few things. Um, we, there might be some overlap here, but um, you can. Well, I mean, we should both say what um, I mean uh, in terms of physical releases. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is now available on 4K and Blu-ray, and if you haven't listened to our review, you can go and do that now. And if you haven't seen the movie, what are you waiting for? Yeah. This is amazing. It is. And I keep, even if like, I keep telling people and they're like, oh, I don't really like cartoons or animated movies. And I'm just like, or superhero know? films. I'm like, God, you, know? you got to watch it. It's so good. So yeah, available in physical now uh, on 4k and, and Blu-ray and, and everything. And uh, a thousand percent, you should pick that up. Um, it is uh, one of the best movies of last year. I think it was my favorite film of last year. I go back and forth between that and mission impossible fallout. Um, so yeah, definitely go pick that up. Um, I want to suggest, um, uh, Mary Poppins Returns came out in 4K, um, a movie that we both enjoyed. I don't think starring Michael of us, Rooker. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Mary Poppins, y'all. We're gonna talk about something that involves that soon. Um, but yeah, a movie I think we both kind of mildly enjoyed last year. I I think uh, I definitely suggest it for anyone who's a, a fan of the original Mary Poppins or um, uh, for families out there. I I, I did like uh, the majority of that movie. It's somewhat forgettable. I don't know. If, it's very modest, um, and it's basically playing or, or or using the same beats as the first film, but just it's. I mean, it is almost a remake. I, it I is, wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't hesitate to use that word in, in describing it. But I mean, Emily Blunt's very charming and likable. I just wish there was more of her in the film. I agree. She kind of disappears in the. Yeah, last she's not half. really even a lead in the movie. No. And I know Mary Poppins herself really isn't supposed to be a lead like she does what she has to and family yeah yeah and then she leaves but yeah like that performance is good and there's some solid miranda is in it more than her i think yeah as the lamplighter um but there's some solid practical effects like i didn't realize like that tub scene was actually you know done on a a studio set and they actually had slide slide in which actually kind of looked fun although it'd be terrifying to do it backwards yeah i know (laughs) and then um the animation sequence looks it looks really cool and it all looks great in 4k and um uh, yeah, so I think like again, if you missed it in theaters and you just want kind of like a fun, easy watch, um, I, I would definitely suggest it. And, it's pretty good for the younger um, kids. Too. That's what I mean. Yeah, and I, like if you want to show your kids Mary Poppins, or maybe you have shown them Mary Poppins before, and and you want it, uh, and you haven't had a chance to check this out in theaters, but. Um, I think it's definitely worth, uh, I don't have an Atmos sound system to uh, test it out, but I'm sure the music sounds amazing. Um, but it, it looks great in 4k and I definitely 
think it's worth watching. Uh, Again, a movie that we were mild on, but I think we both um, uh, liked it. Um, And then finally, um, I don't have much to suggest this week. There's still that collection sale going on on iTunes, and there's some March break sales and things like that. But on the digital side of things... um, Speaking of Jordan Peele's Us uh, being released this week, you can get Get Out for $9.99 on iTunes in 4K right now. So um, if you haven't picked that up yet or maybe you want to watch it before you go see Us this weekend, uh, $10 is an unbelievable deal in 4K for Get Out. So that's my suggestion. Get in to Get Out. Anything else on your end? Yeah, I'm going to also recommend Todd Haynes' Far From Heaven with Julianne Moore. Um, Julianne Moore right now is in a really solid little remake in theaters directed by Sebastian Lilio called Gloria Bell which is a remake of his film Gloria. I loved Glory Bell. And yeah. it's always just a nice reminder that how great Julianne Moore is. And the first movie I really kind of took notice of her was Todd Haynes's uh, Safe, which is available on Criterion. Um, but Far From Heaven is another movie that they did together, which is kind of their... Um, homage to Douglas Sirk, specifically All That Heaven Allows, and it's a 1950s set uh, melodrama about a housewife who discovers that her husband, uh, played by Dennis Quaid, is gay and having affairs behind sort of her back and also trying to keep it secret because this is a time where, you know, prejudice and homophobia is the norm and people finding that out would... Um, basically, uh, you know, uh, blacklist and 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 turn him into a pariah. So he's hiding that, and then she begins kind of this um, sweet romance with her gardener, who is African American and portrayed by uh, Dennis Haysbert. And it's interesting because it's a movie that is sort of following the structure of classic Hollywood of the 1950s, but also bringing up issues that are still very prevalent at that time um, and and still to this day and when the movie was made in the early 2000s um, it was important for Haynes to really you know show you that people living in the 1950s weren't completely dissimilar to the people you know in in society now yeah and, and it's important to show you the you know the human nature of of people and 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 our faults and phobias and and not be afraid to look back uh, at, at an event and not say that, oh, well, it used to be like this. Well, no, it actually, you know, people acted very similar and, and, and had similar desires and, and secrets that they didn't want to maybe share and, and you know, um, prejudices. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, really great movie. Um, it's finally gotten a Blu-ray release, so I'd recommend checking that out. Noise. Noise. Uh, you want to talk about some trailers? Yeah. Talking trailers, bud. Uh, we got... One, two, three, four, five trailers to talk about this week. Um, all of them probably massive uh, for most people. Uh, let's start with Avengers Endgame. So we got our what we believe will be the final trailer for Avengers Endgame. Um, I've watched, we joked about it on Cinema Scene yesterday, uh, but I've watched this trailer way too many times. Um, you guys, if you listen, you know that I'm a huge MCU fan and I'm a dork at heart and I'm a sucker for this uh, Infinity Saga, which is what Kevin Feige's talking it, uh, uh, calling it now. Uh, so anyways, the trailer was released. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, I'm sure you have, but um, please do. We're going to talk about it now. But um, dude, I love this. I love their, we talked about this yesterday, so I feel like I'm repeating myself, but not everyone can watch Cinema Scene or hasn't watched Cinema Scene yet. But um, I love what they're doing with the marketing with this movie. I think all three trailers that we've gotten with the first teaser, the 
Super Bowl teaser and now this trailer, I think we've gotten the perfect amount of footage without really showing us anything at all. And then the Russos have also come out and Kevin Feige has come out and said like, yeah, we're doing kind of a similar thing that we did with Infinity War where maybe everything you're seeing isn't necessarily... It's misleading. Yeah, like we're misleading you on purpose. And I think they're one of the few companies that can kind of get away with false advertising because right. people want to be surprised when they get into the theater because we saw that with the hulk in uh, infinity war not actually being in that right because it was actually sequence. mark ruffalo in the uh, in the hulk, yeah, hulk buster yeah and suit. like yeah. so i feel like we're gonna get some of that stuff there but just quick highlights that i noticed uh from this trailer um i i love uh Captain Marvel, who appears at the end with her, her moment with Thor. Uh, we get our first glimpse kind of like at uh, uh, Ronan and Hawkeye as he's there with... What Sweet we haircut. Think, yeah, his sick mohawk. Um, or what we think might be Kate Bishop, but could be his daughter as well. Um, maybe pre-snap. Um, I love the use of the old footage from the original Iron Man, the original Thor, and the original Captain America. Really emphasizing the um, original three yeah. big uh, Avengers, and then also obviously Hawkeye and Black Widow. Yeah, and Hulk. And Hulk. And uh, so I love that the movie seems like it's going to focus on that core team from the original Avengers movie, and then you have the additions of Ant-Man, Rocket Raccoon, uh, War Machine, uh and captain marvel right yeah i don't think i'm missing anyone else um i probably am but uh dude i and we see a few bits and pieces of action sequences here but i don't even know if those were taken like the oh nebula uh yeah as well. and uh, um, uh you mentioned this on twitter uh diana uh uh Guerrera? is that how you say oh yeah yeah. yeah and uh yeah exactly she was left off the uh well she was the, on the poster but, but her she didn't her have a credit is, in, and they in fixed the marquee that. yeah um, yeah so yeah there's uh, the core avengers with some additions of everyone who survived the snap from the first movie so um and we're spoiling obviously infinity war but well yeah, they man, spoiled that in, in, in the, the beginning in of the, the trailer because you yeah. do see a few of them vanish va- yeah turn into dust. dust so i don't know man i i think it's I think this is crazy that maybe it's just because we haven't we're we're closer to Endgame than we are, and I'm comparing these two things just because they're two of my favorite franchises. Uh, but Star Wars Episode Nine, I never thought I'd probably be more excited for Avengers than I was Star Wars, but I think that's because I'm getting Avengers first, and I've seen more and I've teased more, and the ending to Infinity War is is obviously a. a, a a cliffhanger and um, well, it's not a it's not an end game. It's a long game, and yeah. that's kind of you, you know you're, you're so invested of, yeah, in the eleven years now of uh, Marvel movies. Some better than others, but, but even Star Wars, it's like forty years of yeah, up, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, Star Wars now is becoming more of a, a yeah. you know a continual franchise. I mean, we'll talk about this in in news probably, but. Um, yeah, you're seeing these characters, or you've seen these characters in their either their own movies or working together, and now it feels like this is kind of the end of an era, an end of Phase Three. We were talking a little bit about this on Cinema Scene. I wasn't sure if um, this was like the official end of of, of Phase Three or if Spider Man. Uh, yeah, I've Home heard was. both. I know, I know. I I've seen. I think I've heard it both ways. If that makes sense too, of like it makes sense for it to be the beginning of Phase Four. But then it also could be because we're getting marketing for it now and it's already been announced that some people consider it the end of phase three. But I would say Endgame seems like the better finish and 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 
Far From Home seems like it's going to be the launch pad for the next kind of bit of the Marvel Universe. Is there a D23 convention this year? I believe there is. So they'll probably announce like what phase four. Well, we already four. We'll talk about this in news too. We have a lot of news that we're starting to piece together like what we're going to get in phase four. Like I think we have a pretty good idea at least for the first few movies we're going to get. Um, uh, and we'll talk about that soon. But yeah, man, I think um, one other thing I wanted to point out was there, in, in an interview, the Russos talking about how they've kind of manipulated some of the trailers to make you think different things of going. They really uh, uh, called out that they remember going to see Empire Star Wars, the uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, when they were um, very young on opening day and not really knowing anything about the movie because they're like i guess in the marketing they didn't really spoil much at all right although and marketing was much different yes. then than it is now and that's what they talked about with how it's been bombarded and it's available and de- on all these and social... deconstruct everything yeah. and go frame by frame and kind of uh look over the trailers and they really talked about like people can pretty much put together what's going to happen in a movie now if you go frame by frame and like in a traditional trailer so what they're saying is that They've kind of they want people to experience this in the theater, and they've given you little teases at what you're going to get, but we really don't know much about the movie at all. We haven't seen Thanos at all. Um, I think maybe that last shot of them in those white suits at the end, like Tony and Nebula, might actually not even be there, and they're just kind of putting that there to make you think, oh, Tony and Nebula get back to Earth, so then reunite with the Avengers. And I have all these theories in my head of what's going to happen. That would be happen, a good Marvel but, uh, um, spinoff, Tony and Nebula. Nebula, <laughs> uh, lost in space. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't know what to expect. Like, It looks like you don't see Captain Marvel or Thor in that final group, so maybe they go off into space together to try and hunt something down and or find something, and then while the rest of them go into the quantum realm with, with Ant-Man or something to kind of go back in time or whatever they're going to do and and um yeah man i i just i were you were even mentioning talking about like breaking it down like you know black widow has different hair and yeah so it looks so it looks like we're gonna get like time jumps right so i feel like we're gonna start the movie and captain marvel will be pretty much right at the beginning and then because you see um black widow with her short blonde hair and as the trailer goes on you see her both with long like reddish hair and then also her hair tied up into like thing with some blonde and red in it so, so it's like, gonna be like happy death day to you too but the marvel version well, i don't back know to man the future like, i have i have a feeling like it's gonna start off like immediately after uh infinity war right and then right. i think we're gonna get like uh, like they're gonna try to be like how do we fix this right away and then they're not going to be able to do it. And then there'll be like a significant time jump, like maybe five years well, or Well, enough more. time so Steve Rogers can shave his beard. Yes, exactly. And, and uh, It takes a couple weeks. I mean, it takes a while to grow your hair out too, right? So she well, has like long ass hair. So For some ru- people, maybe. I remember reading a rumor being there would be like a five-year jump. And right. then Ant-Man's been gone for five years. And then when you see him return in that first trailer where he's like rings the doorbell and says, buzz me in or whatever, that it might have been five years. And they thought he he vanished with everyone else during the snap. But then he shows up again. So he's been stu- stuck in the 
quantum realm for f- five years or so. Um, and you see in this trailer, he's looking and he sees like the missing posters. And I, I just, you, I've talked to you and people might know this, but I love, it's like, I love post-apocalyptic movies too. So when you're saying like, this is a Marvel movie, which I also love and it's dystopian Marvel, dystopian post-apocalyptic vibes too. Like I love all the shots of New York and city field and different things that are all just like, what happens to this universe when people have half the universe just goes vanishes and if we do a five-year time jump of like like i i love the idea even i mean that's what i love about the newest planet of the apes movies and like that two and three are kind of in this dystopian kind of post-apocalyptic future and then the rumor about the new jurassic park movie might be doing that as well with the dinosaurs getting loose and like right well even even talking about wonder woman 1984 like Patty Jenkins was saying it's not necessarily a sequel, but it's another chapter. Yeah. You know, and this might be a similar thing with the time jump where it's like, it's not necessarily like, I mean, it is a sequel, but also it's like, well, it can be, you know, it's own movie and being a a chapter based story. So we, you know, reunite with these characters at this specific time and sort of go down the, the path with them for this final adventure for probably some of them. But man, I just, I cannot wait. We're like a month away. Yeah. Um, and then there's all the people online that were uh, talking about uh, Brie Larson wearing makeup. And, yeah. Uh, nah. I, I mean, you out of context, I, I, I don't complain until you see it. And like, if you really think they sexualize her or it's different than what they do in, in Captain Marvel because it's two male directors instead of a man and a woman, which is the um, sentiment I was seeing with the makeup comments. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't know how long she's been on Earth, if she's now trying to fit in in 2018 or whenever the, the movie takes place. And like, I just withhold, I hate people who judge things and say or complain about things like we saw that even with the once upon a time in hollywood trailer which is actually that's a good segue or the posters i'm like you don't like you can't judge it by its trailer like you can either get excited or say you're not excited but taking one screen grab or one thing out of context and being like oh i'm gonna get mad about this i'm like you don't i i feel like maybe wait until the movie and then no, um, kind of form an opinion then, but yeah, I mean, talk about the trailer and if it, if if you want to see it or not, yeah, or, or if you or, don't uh, like the poster, which I mean, to be honest, is probably the worst Tarantino poster. Oh, so let's go the into character that. Posters yeah. made. So, anyways, Endgame, super excited, cannot wait. We're like a month away from it. I keep, I want that email to come in saying when they're going to screen it, but we won't get that for a few weeks. Um, let's move on to yes, the other big trailer that dropped this morning. Um, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. Teaser- or once upon a time in dot, 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 yeah, dot, dot, Hollywood. Hollywood. Um, dropped this morning, ninth film from Quentin Tarantino, a minute and a half teaser. We had posters earlier this week, which weren't so great. Um, everybody's leaning. Yeah. Leaning on non-existent something. I mean, where's fat Joe when <laughs> um, you need him? Yeah, and then uh, so, anyways, let's talk about the trailer, man. What did you What did you think? I'm I'm interested in it. I, it's It's interesting because we it haven't does, talked about this at all. So I'm no, it here. doesn't feel like it has the necessarily like the big, splashy set pieces or um, dialogue that usually hooks you into a Tarantino trailer. Like it feels like it's kind of getting you um, accustomed to. 1969 and the kind of feel of the movie and the atmosphere of it and the idea of that you're selling both Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio have never worked together before as a duo and and sort of a kind of Clint Eastwood-esque storyline of this. It's very much a teaser. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like it's, there's nothing that I would say that is like 
oh, I can't wait for this scene or I can't wait for that scene. But I like the vibe of it and I enjoy the kind of um, the groovy kind of undertones. And, and I'm hoping that there's going to be more, you know, like behind the scenes filmmaking stuff throughout the entire film. Like we get a little bit of, um, you know, Brad Pitt's stuntman fighting Bruce, uh, Lee. Bruce Lee. And that kind of looks like it's going to be fun. And, you know, obviously with uh, Damian Lewis cast as Steve McQueen, like hopefully there will be some stuff where, you know, uh, Quint Tarantino really gets to poke fun at filmmaking at that point in, in Hollywood and sort of the world around that. And I think he's also probably hiding the violence 100%. Or what's going to happen? Like, it looks more like, fun than yeah. Than like probably. you know, they're like he always talks about Reservoir Dogs and that tavern scene in Inglorious Bastards being the elastic band stretching until it breaks and all hell literally breaks. And I'm loose sure there's and, a moment in this. Yeah, and it, well, especially because they do show Manson in uh, just looking charming. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see how he's portrayed in the movie. I know that a lot of people also, in terms of um, you know. Film Twitter and, and people complaining about stuff have mentioned the uh, Brad Pitt versus uh, Bruce Lee fight sequence and that, you know, Pitt couldn't take Bruce Lee, which is probably true. I mean, I, I think Brad Pitt would be the first guy to even say that. I mean, even, you know, like he Brad Pitt's actually a huge fan of uh, Bruce Lee and wore uh, a shirt in Fight Club and, and did an homage yeah. to him in that. Um, but also Emile Hirsch being cast in the movie, which I'm sure that's going to be talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. when the movie comes out mm-hmm. yeah man i'm i'm very excited i i'm with you where um i don't i i really enjoyed the teaser but it is very much a tease and i don't even really like i from the look of it you still it does have that filmic quentin tarantino look to it i agree with you that they haven't shown you those uh big set pieces maybe or or even or the, not all uh, the characters like, either exactly we've only I, they're really focusing on margot robbie brad pitt and dicaprio and um i think that's fine and um again i i could be okay with just seeing this and going in completely almost blind other than knowing it takes place in 1969 in hollywood yeah um and has charles manson in it and sharon tate but um, yeah, I'm with you. I I, I I I laughed a lot at the um the homicide line and um or manslaughter line. Right. Um and I, I, I do think that it'll And the have... shouldering the load and Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I think the the funniest thing in the trailer is that last bit with DiCaprio being told by the little girl that he's you know, an amazing performance <laughs> yeah. and it's like you know, that actor ego inflating a little bit. Yeah, and I love the the quick glimpse at that. That's already become a meme, that, like, dance sequence kind of yeah. thing with DiCaprio, which is... Uh, yeah, I can't wait, man, obviously, but... Um, well, it's uh, interesting as well because um, the, the trailer uh, was posted today, uh, which is a Wednesday, and the other kind of big trailer that was posted today as well was the Stranger Things... Season three, which also has Maya Hawk in both of them. Oh yeah, we can go into that. Yeah. I mean, anyways, we're both very excited for Once Upon a Time. Um, uh, which also it might be playing a can if uh, Tarantino can get it finished uh, edited. We have that coming up in news. Yeah, um, yeah Stranger Things three. So um, I know you're not a huge Stranger Things. I like fan. it for what it is. Like I, I I do binge watch it like the rest of us or like everyone else. But yeah. you're not over the moon about it like other people. It's are. empty calories for yeah. me. Like it's it, I like. I like it while I watch it the way that I would eat a chocolate bar or, you Fair. know, something fatty, but then realize, well, like, there's no substance to this. Yeah, I am I I can agree with you there. I think I like it a bit more than you. I really liked the first season a lot. Uh, second season kind of lost me a bit there with the whole, like, 
uh, Eleven X Men kind of right. thing going on. Yeah, there. with like the and, the kids uh, in the, in the city. Yeah, that like, whole that stuff was fucking bad. terrible. It's just awful. But like, I've, as the most part, I, I like it as it's nostalgic throwback imitation of of all of those kind of 80s movies and things like that so um i think this looks it looks colorful and, and bright and they're obviously you can it's crazy how much those kids have like aged since the right. first season and they're letting them um, age at least yeah like they're not recasting I mean, even with the, them or... the song choice being a teenage wasteland and yeah that they're actually teenagers now and things like that and it's uh well it's, um, i mean the song is called yeah sorry yeah but because uh, I, I know a lot every, of everyone think that. it's yeah. called that and i made that same mistake right now but but it did remind me of csi <laughs> yes so this is going to be uh, strangers thing yeah. csi is it miami or new york that has that one or regular csi i don't know they all blur together yeah, all of them have a who song yeah. like that's the thing like that's what really connects them as the a cinematic CSI universe, universe. <laughs> yeah um but no i think it looks great july 4th they're really playing up the summer angle and the fireworks and the colors and and, and things like that and um and there's a uh, video game dropping as well i was watching yeah. you watch uh the a nintendo switch showcase showcase yeah and yeah there's a stranger things 3 video game dropping on the same day which looks retro and kind of fun too but um yeah it's uh, i like that they're doing it in the summer instead of october switching it up a little bit um uh i really dig the series and i think this looks uh they're stepping away from uh there's some new monster that they they showcase which looks a little bit even more grotesque and um, not spider-like but it has more legs and and it's not the demigorgon from the first season what but it, it looks like a demigorgon yeah it, so it's probably like an advanced different version of it and um uh, everyone's returning there's a few new people in, i in saw carrie ellis uh always yeah. from um the princess bride i think and he's saw in it. Star yeah. of the hit film Saw. <laughs> it's funny uh, how you went to that and I went to Princess yeah, Bride. <laughs> I love Dr. Gordon. Um, or Twister. He was in Twister as yeah, well. Yeah, he was. Um, so yeah, excited Do you think that. he made it at the end of Twister? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, that antenna just went right through. And uh, uh, Let's move on to... Uh, let's do Toy Story 4. Um Toy Story 4 dropped its first full trailer. Everything we've gotten were like little teases that did, almost didn't even seem like they were actually from the movie. Um, yeah, they were almost setting up new characters, if anything else, like Key and Peel being mm-hmm. voices in the film. But yeah, you weren't getting a sense of what the actual story was. And when, you know, uh, Rashida Jones was working on it, it was rumored to be kind of like a romantic comedy. And this seems almost like a uh, try to get back home adventure kind of thing. Yeah. It reminds me of Toy Story 2, really like um, focusing on Forky and how Forky is um, uh, the new favorite toy for what's the young girl's name. I forget. I'm forgetting as well. But, um, and, and just what, what does it mean to, I guess, be a toy and, and be loved by a child? And, and, and is that a child's most, love um, gives life? I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed at the trailer. Uh, I, I still think it'll probably be fantastic. Um, we were talking off air yesterday and um, there's a lot going on and it feels very quickly edited and and a lot's thrown at you, especially with Bo coming back. And it doesn't uh, really explain um, a lot of stuff in the trailer not that you need that it's just like oh but she it- created forky they go on a road trip forky jumps out the window because he doesn't think he should exist or why he's alive or whatever. somehow woody and knows like- where Bo is even though that she was sold in a yard sale previously and then when she meets up with when woody meets up with Bo again um she doesn't really explain why she isn't a lamp anymore really um and 
they're some creepy ass looking dummies that will probably Looks scare like small children. From... The the way that like do you remember the um the brave little toaster? Yeah. There was a scene in that with like clowns, I remember, oh, and it scared man. the shit out of me. Yeah. So this will probably traumatize some children. Then there's a whole carnival theme park um, that they go to and uh, the toys follow pursuit. So it's, it, it, to me, it feels like, like you mentioned, like Toy Story 2, um, you know, but as like, a, again, like a kind of chase movie almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I have no doubt it will be probably fantastic. I just, the trailer didn't do much for me. Yeah, um, I, so. I just, I, I, I was t- talking to you about it the other day. Toy Story 3 was just such a perfect way to end that series Mm -hmm. and it's like they're starting it up again and just pixar isn't the same as it was you know when they ended with toy story 3 so i'll be interested to see where they take the franchise and i also like that people are complaining that um and i guess what will probably be like flashback sequences andy doesn't look like what he did in the the first toy story movie and i'm like well why would you want him to look (laughs) like that because i mean this was the the very this was the first feature length uh, animated film, CG by animated Pixar, film yeah. by Pixar, or just CG in general. CG, right? Yeah, yeah, it was because that was the big deal in '95. Yeah. Um, and you just—it's like you want it to look better. You don't want it like old animation is not nostalgic. No. I'm sorry, it looks awful. Uh, hand hand drawn animation. Hand hand drawn animation is great. But um, that's the same thing in video games. You brought up Nintendo. Or practical effects versus uh, visual effects. Yes, exactly. Because I, I even make this argument with video games being like that Nintendo 64 PlayStation 1 era looks terrible. But if you go back to like Super Nintendo or Nintendo with like the pixel art kind of stuff, that stuff still kind of looks great. But yeah. the polygonal kind of like early digital animation looks real bad <laughs> it looks rough wow. and and i'm and i'm happy that they've updated i kind of and this might be taboo like in terms of like a george lucas kind of star wars tampering kind of way i actually wish that disney or pixar would go back and re-update um some of those effects for the first film keep the original ones don't get don't discard them but have a version where the effects have been updated i I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually do that. I mean, that's kind of what they're doing with Lion King right now. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, but Lion King looked amazing um, back then in hand-drawn animation. And But I would be even okay. I've said this a long time about The Simpsons, that I maybe this is something Disney will do now that they own them, which we'll get into in a second. Um, I think when they end The Simpsons, they should go back and redraw and redo all the animation for the first 10 to... 15 seasons that were in four by three kind of yeah um because i think those don't hold up quite as it's, well it's as, crude like you yeah. can tell it was the early days like even some of the coloration of characters looks a little off like it almost looks like it's watermarked and then you have weird things like smithers was black at one point and yeah things like that. very weird stuff so i wouldn't mind keep the same audio even though that might sound a little crude and at times too and keep the exact same episodes or maybe even you want to redo the uh the voices um, but I just think remaking all of the first 10 seasons of the Simpsons, if you wanted to continue making money off of the Simpsons after it ends, right. uh, to read, if, it, if it ends, yeah, I think it eventually, will. I think the Simpsons and, is going to just keep going even when mankind is, well, is that's what I mean. But I like the HD art style that you get in modern Simpsons. I just don't necessarily like the content anymore. So right. I'm like, if I could watch a 4k or 1080p version of the first 10 episodes, 
and actually be redrawn. Yeah. Um, maybe that's not a popular uh, opinion either, but I would watch the shit out of that. If they said, okay, Simpsons is ending, but every Sunday night on on ABC, I guess maybe now. Um, and I just want to get across uh, that we're not saying that we want the old ones the, the to, old ones to no. be discarded or, or, or to be discontinued in any way. We want those available too. Right. Just like we wish with Star Wars, you had a choice of either watching the originals or the updated versions, yeah. right? So yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, finally, let's end with uh, a trailer uh, uh, called Lucy in the Sky. Um, which is directed by Noah Howley, which you guys would know from uh, the Fargo TV series as well as Legion. He's making his directorial debut here uh, with Natalie Portman as an astronaut um, who comes back down to Earth but really hasn't come back down to Earth, psychologically speaking, and, you know, had this amazing um, euphoric euphoria or euphoric experience in space and she's kind of having a hard time readjusting to civilian life she begins having an affair with john ham's character and it's very much um setting up style over substance there's not a lot of plot in the trailer it's just kind of giving you an overall uh fee again like once upon a time in, in hollywood you're getting a feeling of what the movie is going to be like which i think is going to be a very cinematic stylish take um, on a very strange story, it's loosely based on a true story um, that gets very weird. Um, so I'm wondering, don't spoil it. Maybe, how, yeah. But... So I'm wondering how much of that they'll incorporate in the story. Yeah, it looks weird and it looks cool. And um, uh, I love Natalie Portman. I don't know if that's a hot take right now either. It, when, it seems to be, on... especially when she has an accent. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. She is the. Uh, uh, her and Joseph Gordon-Levitt just have that lockdown on doing. Uh, bizarre accents in all of their movies, um, but I love I love both of them. I love her and um, yeah, uh, John Hamm. You got uh, Dan, Dan Stevens, Stevens, who's also in Legion. Um, Zazie Beetz, yeah, Ellen Burstyn. Uh, you got some cool switching aspect ratios yes. from a two thirty nine to a kind of a four by three, and um, and that looked really cool. I don't know if that'll be in the film or if that was a, a aesthetic for the trailer. It looks like it probably is incorporated because he does a bunch of that stuff on Legion and Fargo yeah. as well, right? Now it doesn't have a release date, and it's going to be interesting to see now that it's a Disney movie. It's a Disney movie, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. So I mean, actually, from that we can just dive. Actually. So I'm excited for this. Same I am too. Issue. I am. I'm and I'm well. surprised they put out a trailer without having a release date. But maybe, are you thinking fall or are you thinking summer? I would think it would be fall. Yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, can they have, maybe? Or? If it's done. Yeah. Um, they, Fox Searchlight, the only movie that they have coming up other than the Aftermath, which is opening this week um, in Canada, and then it opened uh, the previous week in the US, um, is Token. Which yeah. I know you're excited oh, for. God. I couldn't even make it through the trailer. <laughs> um, but other than that, they don't have anything dated yet. They have the Ben Zeitlin movie as well, Wendy, uh, which is his follow-up to Beasts of the Southern Wild. And there's a couple other things. Oh, uh, the Guillermo del Toro produced Antlers, right. which is a horror film. Yeah. Now a Disney movie. Yeah, um, it's going to be fascinating. And I bet you they didn't put dates on a lot of this stuff because they knew this was going to happen. Well, they probably so... didn't know what was going well, on that's what They were like, well, we might as well wait because yeah. then Disney's going to dictate kind of when these movies are going to come out. So. I, I think it's going to be a fall film. Like yeah. To me, like they'll probably try to do an awards thing for, for Portman. and Yeah. yeah. 
totally. All right, let's take a quick break because uh, this is a massive episode. So we're going to take a quick 30-second break. We'll be back uh, with a massive, massive amount of news starting with the Disney-Fox merger that was just completed. Until uh, then, enjoy this uh, advertisement. I got claws. I can use them. You said that. Mutants must rule. Did you say that? Optics blast fire. They all said that. Talk. Introducing Marvel, Talking Superheroes, and X-Men. This is mine. And it sounds too. Three separate voice sound activators let you control what they say. Die, Spider-Man. And do. I want to eat your brain. Spider-Sense tingling. Marvel, Talking Superheroes, and X-Men. Each sold separately from Toy Biz. And we are back. Uh, all right, man. We got a buttload of news. <laughs> um... Remember Crazy. last time when we were complaining that there was nothing? Well, we yeah. got it all. Yeah, we got literally everything. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten plus news stories that I uh, I want to talk to you about. Some will go into more detail than others, but uh, let's start with the big one, which we've talked about before. So I don't know how much detail we really need to go into, but as of twelve o two a.m. today, which is Wednesday, March twentieth. Disney owns Fox. It's done, man. It's completed. Uh, Fox is now a brand of the Walt Disney Company. I sent you a funny image that I've been seeing circulated around on social media. If you go to the Walt Disney Company's website, uh, Deadpool is up there. The Shape of Water is up there. Um, there's some uh, Avatar is up there now. Um, so it's crazy that they, like on a Walt Disney website, you have a R-rated Deadpool Ryan Reynolds character up there as well as a R-rated fish fucking movie. <laughs> right. And like it's just crazy. It's it's crazy. Well, and, also Disney's the tree of life. Yeah, it, it's it's um it's fascinating. It's 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 done. Um I'm sure we'll probably each week have some other piece of news to talk about this. Uh, I don't know what to go uh, we don't really have any new information like we knew that this was going to happen. It's completed. The X-Men and 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 uh, Fantastic Four are now under the Marvel Studios banner. We Disney have... is basically Galactus. Yeah, And they've crazy. eaten the planet known as Fox. And there's obviously going to be some really terrible stuff that comes from this, which is many jobs lost. Uh, we don't even know the extent of it yet. Um, yeah, there, there, um, was, there was an estimate, I think, on Deadline that said at least 4,000 jobs in the U.S. Um, will become redundant. So. I have more breaking news in a second because Justin Kroll just tweeted incoming dot dot dot. So okay. we'll keep you posted on that too, uh, which we have some news that came from him uh, the other day too. But uh, yeah, dude, uh, 4,000 I think was the estimate. Is that what you just yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. But that's just, just an estimate. And, that's just like and in the US. LA probably, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at their studio because, I mean, I've again when companies merge with other companies or buy other companies that's that's always going to happen and that's like an unfortunate i mean a lot of jobs will be created and a lot of jobs will be eliminated right which yeah. is like ultimately like again we can all go yay x-men and 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 fantastic four are now under marvel or or whatever but like but what's uh, the expense in reality exactly. when it comes yeah. to somebody who you know is working and 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 making a living off of uh you know doing pr or research or one of the many many thousands of jobs that uh 20th century fox has you know employed somebody for and it's just you know it's it's going to be unfortunate because we do know some people um in in, we deal with the canadian branch of, of of fox here and and yeah it we we were guessing i mean this is inside baseball but we're just like what's going to happen to the 
publicity arm of, of, of 20th Century Fox in Canada. Because right now, for all of the Disney properties, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Disney animated stuff, we all go through just our Disney PR people. And uh, Fox is now a branch of Disney, just like Lucasfilm is, or just like Marvel Studios is, right? So yeah. um, what happens to those people? And like, is it too much? Like Fox had a lot on, like they release a lot of films and so does Disney. So Disney now has probably a, a gigantic chunk of new films being released, right? So is that enough for just one team to handle? Or again, this goes to the US as well, right? Like you're going to have, sure, you have a whole Marvel Studios branch and you'll have your your Fox branch now. And is, I don't know. What's going to happen with Searchlight? Like how, like how much is that be its going own to change too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they've said that Fox and Fox Searchlight as of right now are staying as Disney brands essentially, right? Like just like when Marvel releases, I keep repeating this, but when Marvel releases a movie, it's not branded a Disney film. It's branded Marvel studios. Same with Lucasfilm, right? So they're separate studios within an overall company. So Fox looks like right now that they're staying as a studio, um, under the Disney umbrella, um, and Fox searchlight being that too. And, and Disney said they want to get into more, uh, I guess, adult movies and that's what the fox branch will be and then indie films with fox searchlights so who knows how much everything's going to change the marketing i think is i think going to be the biggest change maybe because you're you're it's all under the disney umbrella now and and their marketing team probably and they'll bring some people over but right and 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 again like a lot of people probably won't even notice that there's really much of a difference like we will obviously but people who are really hardcore into this that and 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 affects them but um, but i think it's also way too early still to speculate how the change is going to affect um, the the news f- came out. the you films? To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut sure. You off? More yeah. Nolan news. Let's just go into that. Anyways, the Disney thing is uh, is happening. It's. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but, no, no, no. Um, I I, I want to hear this actually. So yeah. Anyways, Disney deals happening. It's. We'll have more details about it. We don't know much else other than it's completed, and we'll see the fallout from that. Uh, in in the next probably months or weeks. Uh, so, anyways, let's go into some huge news. Uh, we have our three leads for Christopher Nolan's next movie. So we have, um, I'm Eric's going. What what is this? Uh, so yesterday we heard about that Robert Pattinson and John David Washington have joined Christopher Nolan's next film as the two male leads. Uh, right now, Justin Kroll just tweeted out exclusive. Chris Nolan has now found his female lead for his next film, tapping Elizabeth Debicki to co-star with John David Washington nice. and uh, Robert Pattinson for his film. So crazy amount of Nolan news coming out. The Someone last saw days. Widows. Yeah. What? Um, and she's great. And I've, she's I've awesome. yeah, I mean, I liked her in Guardians. I loved her in The Man from Uncle. Um, so yeah, we have our three, I guess, main leads. I'm sure it'll be an ensemble. And yeah, because I, I, I don't in, doubt in that, that Collider Tom Hardy article, will show up probably. It, it and, said that they're also trying to cast an older male lead in a supporting role. And Michael Caine. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I mean, even if it's just a voiceover, Michael Caine yeah, will pop will up be somewhere. Because yeah. Michael Caine is 86 now. Yeah. So, so yeah. We're lucky um, to still have him. Uh, I like that he's branching out and using people that he hasn't worked with before. Yeah. And, and kind of some names that, um, I guess, yeah, uh, people are familiar with, I think, sort I mean, Robert Pattinson being probably the most famous of the three just because of the Twilight films and things like that. Right. But, but you look um, at his career trajectory, you know, after those movies, he, he used those films to get 
you know, to go into the art house kind of uh, orbit with movies like High Life and Good Time, and, and he's making interesting choices. And now going back into that kind of probably blockbuster filmmaking, but with maybe... Uh, a quote-unquote auteur yes, filmmaker. Yes, exactly. So uh, we don't know much about the plot. Uh, I know we reported a couple weeks back based on a report from Production Weekly that it was going to be a romantic uh, action thriller. A romantic uh, thriller in the vein of North by Northwest that's meets not, Inception. that's not the case. Now it's being just described as any other Christopher Nolan movie, which a is an innovative action. giant blockbuster. Um, but what this casting tells you, and the and, come one after another like this is that it's it's production up, is, yeah. is going to start probably very soon yeah so yeah in the last two days we got um this news um collider had the exclusive on the robert pattinson and then uh, justin kroll had the uh, john david washington and the elizabeth debecky um uh news so yeah i mean we don't again i think it'll be very secretive and um we were not going to know much about it until we get like probably a teaser or something like that but it which would probably like, be at the end of the year yeah, and um, but we'll start to hear more and more about the cast because I'm assuming it'll be an ensemble like most of his films. And um, again, you'll, maybe we'll see some regulars show up in smaller roles like Tom Hardy or a Michael Caine or something like that. But um, yeah, but it is good to see him bringing in uh, younger actors now. Like you know, he he has his repertory of of people that he uses, but um, it's just interesting to see like the, these. The, these actors are what in their 30s yeah so like it's or late yeah 30s yeah yeah, yeah and they're all they're, they've never worked with them before so yeah and again they're names that you might not be completely familiar with if you're just kind of like a casual moviegoer right now uh, right. other again i keep other than robert pattinson i feel like twilight just made him uh super famous but um unless you're a fan of ballers yeah, right. I never watched Ballers. Did you? It's okay. I've seen the yeah. first season. It's like Entourage, but for football. Yeah, but less douchey. Icky. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I'm incredibly excited for that. So, um, again, not much, but I I love all three of those actors. Uh, it's weird to say, but I agree with you completely with Robert Pattinson's and Kristen Stewart's choices after Twilight have been awesome. So yeah. Good for them. Um, and yeah, this this I cannot wait for this. All right, sorry. I cut sorry you if off. you can hear some honking as well. There's I a doubt that they can, but yeah, there's always something going on on Queen Street. But um, sorry to cut you off on the Disney stuff too. Oh, but, that's um, fine. We don't. We've gone. We'll talk about it. Well, way I mean, more. The, what I was just going to say in wrapping it up, we we don't know. You know, we're we're still in the very early. We're not even in the 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 infant stage no, yet of what day, this is. Right? Yeah, like I know a lot of people are already making these. You know lofty speculations and how things are going to change we we don't know it yet we'll we'll know it over the next i think we won't really see the, the, the effect at, at least yeah. a year or two mm-hmm. um to see what's what's going to happen we say that but now again everything that is being released by fox for the rest of the year is now being released by disney right, right. so their marketing teams their uh, people are going to collaborate with whoever they bring over from old Fox. Um, and so we might see some changes of release dates. We might see some changes in the marketing styles. Uh, the biggest questions are the two X-Men movies that are supposed to be released this year. Are we going to see any June changes? and August? Yeah. Are we going to see any changes there? Uh, probably not. Are we going for... to see them at all? <laughs> Dark Phoenix. I think there we will. You might as well get some money back. Like uh, again, like 
I or they didn't really even actually spend the money on it other than purchasing Fox. Right. But uh, they might as like there's no point of just scrapping it for nothing unless you think it hurts the Marvel Studios X Men vision or brand, um, w- which we've talked about. New Mutants is the one that I could see either just dropping on Hulu or even Disney Plus if they want to kind of do that as well and call it like a X-Men one shot or maybe even a what if thing. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know, but it's, uh, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, sticking with Disney, let's go into, we had a bunch of Marvel news this week too, speaking of Marvel. So, uh, we talked about Endgame in the trailer earlier in the show and, and what we believe phase four is shaping up to be, uh, we're starting to see kind of bits and pieces come out. I mean, previous news, we heard that Scott Derrickson's coming back for Dr. Strange two. Ryan Coogler is coming back. He also, back. uh, posted a photo of Namor. Oh, did he? That he, de- that he had to delete, that he took down next to Dr. Strange. Interesting. Interesting. Cause they, Namor, they didn't, was an X-Men property, right? Right. No, Which so. for people who don't know, it's basically yeah. Aquaman in yeah. the Marvel universe. Yeah. And I believe it's a, uh, uh, an X-Men property that they didn't have until now. Um, and then Ryan Coogler is coming back for Black Panther. Um, we heard a Black Widow movie is coming from, oh, what's the director's name? Oh, uh, uh, Kate Shortfield. Yeah, Kate, yeah. Shortland. Shortland, Shortland yes. yes. Australian director who did a really great uh, post-World War II movie in Germany called Lore yes. uh, a few years ago. Um, so we can start with that. Uh, Florence Pugh, uh, who you guys might know from Pugh who? Uh, uh, most recently fighting with my family, the, yep. uh, the page WWE movie. And she was also in, uh, Lady Macbeth, Lady which Macbeth. was her breakout role. Yeah. Um, she's got a, a couple of movies opening this year. She's in Greta Gerwig's, uh, Little Women, Little Women uh, Ari Aster's Midsummer. So it's pretty safe to say that she is going to be a superstar in, in, in no time flat. And this is just another movie that is going to, you know, make people aware of who she is. Um, and it's even interesting reading the uh, Variety um, article saying that, you know, the role the role was originally intended for her, but they wanted to open up the casting just to, just to see if they could, you know, find somebody else. But it was, you know, basically no, hers to lose. Yeah, and they, they were like, okay, we she she was the perfect choice for it. So she, yeah, she it seems like it's the villain role or like someone who's an equal to black widow kind of yeah. thing. Uh, don't know much about it, but um, uh, it's cool that black widow's finally getting her due and getting a solo movie. I, I wonder if um, um, Julie Delpy will come back. Cause remember she, she was, was in, in that flashback. Yeah. And uh, age in, of Ultron. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think you maybe kind of ha- not have to. I mean, she would have to sign on to do it. But, right. Well, um, it also depends if it is a, if it is a prequel or sequel as well. Right. We don't really know much about it. I think the rumor is that it's a prequel, but yeah. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, and then we're also getting Chloe Zhao's The Eternals in Phase Four, which we know about. And then uh, what was originally going to be a Phase 4 movie and then wasn't a Phase 4 movie and now is a Phase 4 movie again, uh, James Gunn was rehired by Marvel Studios to do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. After doing, doing the, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> supposedly. Right. I'm still not totally convinced that he is doing both of those movies. I... Um, I think right now they think he's doing both or Warner Brothers thinks he's doing both. Um, I mean, that's some Star Trek, Star Wars shit that J.J. Abrams pulled. Um, That would be bizarre to me to do those two movies back to back. I still think there's going to be some... 
I don't know. I just ha- I have a weird feeling that he's not going to do Suicide Squad. But I would say um, I would if I were him, I would do the opposite and say take Suicide Squad because I mean you've already burnt your bridges with Disney or Disney's already had a, a contemptuous. Now that relationship. they brought him back, I don't think that he's going to drop. Right, him but at the same time, it's like, well, now do you want to you know piss off Warner Brothers, right? And yeah, I mean. I- uh, he'll probably maybe they just yeah he signed on already i guess so yeah. he's gonna do both but like i just have this weird feeling that in the next couple weeks we see james gunn drops out of uh the suicide squad for some reason like due to creative differences right which is ag- um, again like i mean that movie has been dropping directors left and right so it wouldn't be surprising if they uh like i still just found the whole thing like it could possibly possibly have been leverage but um yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting and good for him. I mean, uh, we talked about it when he got fired, and and I think it's very divisive right now online of uh, people supporting him returning and people going, man. You, like, I think what he still... said was in poor taste, but at the same time, I think Disney giving in to an alt right group the way that they did was questionable as well, yeah. especially people that were and especially because disney it. knew about all this stuff before oh yeah 100 percent. Right? like they, they knew, knew what they it. were getting into and wh- what his background was yeah. when they hired him for the first guardians and he's apologized other times for tasteless jokes and things like that when he came from uh uh what tra- trauma tra- trauma yeah. trauma yeah and like and obviously the jokes are horrible and and not great but again they are jokes and he does. He's learned from it, and his brothers backed him up, and his cast backed him up, especially and, Dave Batista. Yeah, and everyone's yeah. backed him up, and saying like he is a good person who used to try to be a provocateur, right? Right. Like, and um, it just. I it mean, came... for God's sake, he had a a, a web series called PG, PG Porn. Porn. Yeah. You like, know, like how how could you not think that this guy has probably said something in the past that's questionable? Yeah, which is again, yeah. So I mean, I'm glad to see him back. I'm glad he'll f- probably finish his trilogy and. Um, yeah, um, Adam Warlock will probably be in, in yeah. this one because they did kind of set that up at the end of Volume Two. Um, we'll probably hear more when Brightburn starts to do the junketing, you know? And, yeah, and that's I'll, I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, same man. We talked about the trailer last yes. week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sticking with Marvel, excuse me, um, Destin Daniel Cretton, um, is, uh, topped for Marvel Studios Shang-Chi. So he's going to be directing the Shang-Chi movie, which will also be part of, uh, phase four. So brand new character, uh, the first Asian superhero. Yes. Uh, Asian in lead in a, Mar- yeah. in a Marvel universe. And, um, yeah, man, uh, director of short term 12, um, so you brought up a good point of uh, Brie Larson's been in every one of his films so far. Yeah, so he's um, also done uh, uh, The Glass Castle and just finished a movie with Brie Larson and Michael B. Jordan called Just Mercy. So it wouldn't be surprising if Captain Marvel shows up somewhere. Somewhere, in even if it's a small cameo or something like or that. Or post-credit scene. Yeah, or something, something. like that. So I uh, don't know much about Shang-Chi, the character. Um, I don't either. At this point, so, I mean, it's like you could tell me that it's a Marvel character and I would believe you. Well, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but I will also, like, again, didn't know much about Doctor Strange, didn't know much about the Guardians or even Ant-Man before I saw those movies. Um, so I'm, I, I like short term 12 a lot. Um, it's cool that they're, they're bringing in, um, some kind of indie filmmakers and Marvel's been doing that for a while now. Now, do we blame, uh, him for helping, uh, Rami Malek in an early role? Uh, 
<laughs> I like Rami Malek. I do too. Like, I do. But it's just that that movie. Yeah. I'm a fan of Marvel movies. <laughs> I'm a fan of my mother. Um, yeah, man. So I, I, I don't know. I'm curious. Phase four is going to be interesting. Like, uh, again, and then we have a, we don't know who else will be getting solo movies or maybe if there's going to be a, a new Avengers movie or something like that. I keep but, hearing Moon Knight is another one that they've been thinking of. I mean, we're obviously going to get Captain Marvel 2. Yeah. And, probably um, a third Ant-Man movie. Um, as we've already said, Doctor Strange. And if Namor's in that, maybe that's going to spin that off or yeah. build that universe. And I think it's just going to be interesting overall to see, you know, after um, the next Spider-Man movie and Endgame um what the setup is going to be what where they're going as as a universe moving forward and we'll probably know a lot more or have a better idea of what Kevin Feige's game plan is after uh Endgame. Yeah, for sure. Uh let's move over to some Warner Brothers and DC news. So the biggest piece of Warner Brothers news, uh Kevin Tus- uh Sushijara, Sushihara, yes. um was let go. He's the head of Warner Brothers, the CEO of Warner Brothers and, and head of Warner Brothers film division, right? Uh, because of a very bizarre kind of sex scandal thing that came out, which I feel like hasn't been talked about as much as I thought it would for a studio head. It's kind of been be, buried. Uh, yeah, for a studio head um, getting fired, essentially. I mean, I think he left or he quit or something. Um, but anyways, the story, um, cliff notes version is that, uh, an actress who's appeared in a few films like oceans, uh, 13 and, and, uh, a few things like that, uh, kind of caught him in this like exchange for like, he was promising getting auditions and roles to movies for sex. Um, and he's the studio head of Warner Brothers, uh, and Brett Ratner was involved in one of Brett Ratner's. Have you gone into this story? I've read Am some I, of it. Yeah, yeah. Brett, I didn't read the of latest. Of course, Brett stuff. Ratner yeah. was involved, <laughs> and um, and uh, one of Brett Ratner's producing partners, I believe. And there were all these text messages released, and and it was exp- like shown that like and it just weird stuff of being like, well, he was like, well, it's gonna look weird if I if I involve myself. I'm the studio head, going, hey, can you get an audition? for this one uh woman and uh, anyways just a bizarre bizarre story go check it out and i can't give you all the details but um he's left warner brothers so it's crazy that's yeah. really 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 crazy stuff like <sighs> fucking uh, brett ratner yeah of i, I kind of feel bad for um patty jenkins again just because like she was a mentee of brett ratner when he was directing music videos so it's like you know, when when the next Wonder Woman movie comes out, I'm sure she'll be fielding a lot of those questions again. Yeah. But or hopefully, um, it'll just kind of fade away into obscurity, and yeah, and we can forget about Brett Ratner Rat and Tower Heist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sticking with Warner Brothers uh, in in the DC universe, um, uh, Shazam's being released soon, and then we're getting news about uh, the Flash again. So. The newest piece of news about The Flash is that, again, they can't fucking figure out what they're going to do with The Flash movie, and people keep signing on and dropping out. And So the most recent news was we were going to get a version um, written and directed by uh, the Game Night directors, I, I believe, yeah. who also wrote Spider-Man Homecoming and a few other things. And um, I think the Vacation, the newest yes. Vacation reboot, which is with terrible. With Ed Helms. Um, but now, supposedly... 
Ezra Miller is kind of arguing back with Warner Brothers of wanting a darker take on The Flash, which contradicts everything that they've kind of, sirens on our end, um, contradicts everything that they built with that character in in the Justice League movie. And um, But at this point, why not? Yeah, like, I guess. Do something you, different because so it they, doesn't exist, basically. Exactly. So they're letting Ezra Miller take a stab at writing the <laughs> script for the Flash movie. But the caveat here is that he is working with Grant Morrison, who you guys might know as one of the uh, the most famous and, and biggest comic writers for DC. So Grant Morrison's been with DC for years and written some of the biggest kind of events and things that have happened in the DC comics over the last, God, 20 plus years, I think. I mean, I might be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure he's been around forever. So he's teaming with Grant Morrison and Grant Morrison's written some of the the best arcs of the Flash comic over the last, like, um, uh, again, 10, 20 years. So uh, that's interesting. Uh, very, I did not see that coming, but it almost seems like that just throw anything at the wall and see what but that's kind of what it's become now and and look at the success though of aquaman because of it shazam has good buzz too man yeah and and maybe joker will be okay like um maybe now they're realizing that we're not gonna focus on kind of you know world building and do standalone movies and and just have characters do their own thing although it will be even weirder to see how that if there's any mention to Justice League or or Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and if the Flash movie gets made, because those three are s- still quote unquote in the, the DC same universe. actors, yeah, but it seems like they've even talked about Wonder Woman not being a sequel; it's just another chapter, yeah. whatever, right? So it seems like they really want to get away from that shared universe thing, and then or they'll um, get back to it organically the way right. that Marvel built to it. Like I'm sure yeah. if Shazam takes off, they'll try to connect him to another universe again like i just keep thinking like marvel studios and the conjuring movies are the two best uh shared universes in terms of building uh their their arcs and their stories and, and building to something more and, and also just you know quickly speaking of um uh annabelle uh got a a, a new name for the third one annabelle comes home <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I didn't put that in the news, but uh, but there it is. There's Warner, more Warner Brothers news for you. So uh, let's move on to uh, something we just quick news. We don't really need to go deep into, but um, Michael B. Jordan's teaming with Jordan Voight Roberts on a monster movie set in Detroit. Um, so Jordan Voight Roberts, who you guys might know, directed uh, Kong Skull Island. So kind of sticking within the and mo- the Kings of Summer and Kings of Summer, yeah. But mo- most recently, Kong. And speaking of monster movies and things like that, which I, you weren't a huge fan of, no. I talked about last week. Actually, quite in- enjoying it a lot. I don't like him um, either. I've, no? I've seen interviews with him, and he just he he. I've heard stories about him. I'll well, there was talk- some stuff that came out. Yeah. Like even I don't know if it's even the same thing that you're talking about, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, I don't know him very well. I know him through this stuff, and like, he seems like, I don't know, he's passionate, but because uh, again, I know him from like he's uh, tapped to do the Metal Gear Solid movie, which I don't know will ever get made, but he's the one working on it right now, and I know he's a huge video game fan and stuff like that, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I liked Skull Island, and there's not much we know about this movie, but I like Michael B. Jordan and, uh, and I like monster uh, movies in general. So Detroit, uh, Detroit's another city that you don't see movies set in a lot. No. 
Or especially um, genre films. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last one I can remember off the top of my head, Robocop and Only Lovers Left Alive. Right, yeah. Which cool. is a really great Jim Jarmusch movie if you yeah. haven't seen it. Um, but the thing that I found really weird in that article was him saying that he was jealous of Adam Wingard and Michael Doherty for you know being a part of the Godzilla universe but he was a he's a part of it i mean he right. made a film that's contributing to like, this versus movie yeah kong versus godzilla it's his kong yeah. right like and he participated in even the monsters he included on skull island too right so yeah. he did so i, I a, don't understand that comment necessarily and what that really means maybe he like, would have liked to do it and then they didn't continue with him and right. i don't know but um, but I think he's buddies with those guys and stuff like that. And like him and I know him and like Dan Trackenberg and who did. Yeah. Like I could understand if Dan Trackenberg said that because he hasn't done one of those. Films. Right. I mean, he did kind of a monster movie of his own with 10 Cloverfield Lane, but like he wasn't a part of the, you know, the Godzilla Gojira universe. But I mean, he has been, he's been a part of it. He's contributed to it. Right. Uh, let's go through some of the, the smaller news and then we'll talk about some, can stuff at the end um david mckenzie is directing a spy movie called jet day for warner brothers um i love i mean i again i didn't like david mckenzie's last movie but i liked hell or high water so much yeah that, and uh, also uh start up with uh, ben mendelson and jack o'connell is really good as well yeah so um i mean i'm always down for a new kind of spy franchise so um is this based on anything or not from it's what original, I, right? yeah. yeah. I just they hope that they to don't be a cast Chris Pine as a Scottish <laughs> spy. Spy, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, what was that movie called? Even the King? Outlaw King. Uh, Outlaw King, and then uh, it almost sounds like it, that would make like a good title for like a biker movie or something like that, like Outlaw King. You know, yeah, it's not great. It was very boring. No, although we 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 did see. I, I haven't rewatched it, but we watched uh, a cut that played at TIFF. And apparently right, it did get recut. Netflix version that eventually, better. yeah, it's shorter too. Which is a positive. Yeah. And it had Florence um, Pugh in it. She was good. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, Amazon picked up Park Chan Wook's uh, The Brigands of Battle Rattle Creek. Yeah. And yes. this is going to be like his ultra violent Western that he's been working on for years. And it looks like Matthew McConaughey is going to be cast in the lead role and it's interesting because if that's going to go into production either this year or the beginning of next year you also have todd field coming back for the creed of violence which is rumored to have daniel craig in the lead role which todd field if you don't know directed little children and in the bedroom hasn't directed a film since 2006 wow and is supposed to also be like an ultra violent western cool i'm always down for ultra violent westerns by Great filmmaker. And you know who so. the characters – that, that uh, The Creed of Violence is based on a book. And it's funny because every time I, I, I read or hear the name of uh, the protagonist in The Creed of Violence, I laugh. It's Raw Bone. Raw Bone? Raw Bone. Sick. Uh, and then final little piece of like casting kind of news. Uh, Spielberg added Corey Stoll and Brian Darcy to West Side Story, uh, which we talked off air about this. Of like It's hard to muster up excitement for spielberg's west side story um reboot or remake um uh, it's also starring ansel elgort correct yeah um yeah i i, I don't know i don't have much to say i don't than, either i just kind of uh, shrug my shoulders and be like i mean i'm sure it'll be fine but it almost feels like you know every year now 
and I, I don't want to, and I don't want to blame La La Land specifically, but it feels like this is almost the token, the the, the, the trend now because. Yeah. But I mean, Les Mis came before this, so the, and and this year Cats, Cats is coming yeah. out, so which I'm actually kind of not excited Morbidly about the movie, curious. but just curious to what they're doing if it's going to be. You know, motion capture, or if it's going to be like people cat in suits. cat suits, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's about it. But yeah, there, it always feels like there's one token musical a year that gets released around the holiday season that maybe an awards film, or if it's not, it's pawned off as um, you know a commercial hit. And look at look how well The Greatest Showman did, right? I mean, they're even garbage rumored, movie, but they're, they're even thinking about doing a sequel to that. Um, there were rumors to that. And then Bohemian Rhapsody 2. Will he even. abuse the animals in the second one? Probably or? not. No. <laughs> and then Bohemian Rhapsody 2 even. Like yeah. there's been talks about that. Stupid. Uh, greatest Showman. Like I'll give credit. The music and the soundtrack is pretty good. It's fine. Uh, um, I understand why people enjoy the music. But it's just a series of like mediocre music videos strung together by like a horrible plot line yeah with some decent people who don't really have anything to do yeah um and then finally rounding out this uh we actually might finish the show in decent time i'm surprised um rounding out the show there's a couple piece of can news or not news but rumors kind of too um the Irishman is not going to be ready for Cannes, and Netflix is going to be skipping out on the festival once again. So um, Netflix did meet with the head of the Cannes Film Festival to kind of uh, talk about... Terry Fremont? Uh, yeah, talk about maybe potentially coming back and, and after they were kind of banned last year. Um, well, they weren't. Ba- they Netflix wasn't banned. It's just that they wanted to be in competition with the other movies. But Netflix, because of their rules for theatrical releases theatrical in, release France, in the window, yeah. uh, which is what like nine not, more than ninety days. It has to be released in cinemas in France for a certain period of time. And Netflix was like, or it has to be exclusive in theaters. It can't yeah. be day and date. And right? and and but it's like a longer period of time, even like compared to like what Spielberg wants for right. a Netflix movie. Like it's it's like almost like four years or something like that <laughs> yeah, or something absurd yeah um but they were offering netflix um an out of competition spot but they wanted to compete in in, in they wanted to, in, yeah you know with roma and and you know they you know uh the Cannes film festival said no and so netflix said, said okay we're out of here and then they took three or four movies that were going to play can yeah and, and then they, they you know really pushed them um, in the fall festival season as a kind of middle finger to can with Roma, with Private Life, with Hold the Dark, um, with uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. So Orson Welles movie Orson was Orson Welles, also, yeah. yeah. Um, and so this year, uh, since Netflix isn't going to be there, you've already mentioned The Irishman. We have the new D. Rees movie, uh, uh, The Last Thing He Wanted, and... Um, uh, the Noah Baumbach film with uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It's a divorce dramedy. There's it doesn't have a title yet. No. Like uh, this podcast, it's the untitled Noah Baumbach movie. Uncut Gems yes. was also rumored. Which that's a that's a weird one because yeah. it is getting a theatrical release in North America through A twenty four internationally. But it's internationally, Netflix. it's playing on Netflix, so, so it's it means, similar to Annihilation. So it means in France, it's a Netflix movie, yes. right? And so. the Safdie brothers' Good Time played at Cannes a couple years ago. Yeah, so I feel like all of those movies 
probably had a pretty good shot at playing if they were either done or they were allowed to play either in competition and like you mentioned but uh so anyways they've already come out and announced a couple months before now that netflix will not have a presence at the Cannes film festival um so that's kind of a a, a hit in their lineup but then uh the other piece of news i wanted to talk about is that we've I've now heard an updated report, but originally I think the Hollywood Reporter put out, um, or maybe it was Variety. I should probably note these things so we can give people proper credit. Right. Um, I'll try to do that moving forward. But um, it looks like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we talked about the trailer earlier in the show, um, is aiming for a premiere at Cannes. The rumor right now is that it will be in competition on May 21st, which is the exact date Pulp Fiction premiered uh 20 years ago 25 years ago yeah. at the Cannes Film Festival and then And then again in Glorious Bastards, Bastards 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. So um but then it's come out saying it's not a lock quite yet because Tarantino's still working on the edit and he's not sure if he'll finish in time. Um so I have a feeling that he will finish and that it probably will play. Um but it'll hey, probably be a wet print. Right, yeah. He'll, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this doesn't surprise me, but I think that'll be their big, huge get from at least from a, an American standpoint this year. The other rumors that, uh, like we mentioned, I think, I don't know if we mentioned on the show or we were just hypothesizing talking, um, off air, but, um, uh, Dexter Fletcher's Rocket Man is aiming, uh, they're trying to, I think that's that. done. I think that they were actually, they had a screening of that recently. I don't doubt it, but I think they're, they, the rumor was that it, it's, their can wants it, but they're trying to figure out if Elton John can actually attend based yeah. on his like uh, probably his concert schedule or something like that. They want um, him to actually play at the festival. I don't doubt it'll it. it'll be like the Academy Awards with Queen playing, right? <laughs> so uh, that's the rumor, and then the other one was a movie that we're not sure, especially with this Disney merger with Ad Astra, which has a May release date right now, um, but we keep. Like, we haven't seen a trailer. I mean... No production stills. Yeah. James Gray was uh, at a retrospective of his uh, at the Lightbox in January, and he was even asked about it then, and he said they're still in post-production on the movie. So, um, on top of the Disney-Fox merger and post-production, I honestly don't think that that movie is coming out in until May. at least the fall, yeah. winter of 2019 and those are the rumors from at least uh an american or english language standpoint there's a, a few more and i think um th there's various articles online that are starting to speculate of what the can lineup could look like and um because we're going to get that announcement in a month i think april 18th. april 18th yeah april 18th i think they're announcing the the lineup so i'll be curious to see uh what actually makes it and what's actually going to be pl playing so i guess tarantino has to either make a decision on if he'll be able to finish it in a month's time right, right. so uh, I mean, he doesn't have to have it finished in a month, but he needs to at least let them know if he will have it. But if finished. he if he's ready, he'll do it. But if he's not, he he won't because but, he's not going to compromise. Has done, I know, but he has done the thing where he's re-edited after. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Right? But he still wants to have a cut that is he's worth happy with. Yeah, screening right. Yeah. And I know him, and he'll probably want to be there. Probably yeah. right. I mean, oh, it's it's to you know to absorb uh, the the praise, and I mean he's got an ego, ego the yeah. size of his head, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I mean, I love the guy. Don't get me wrong, oh, same, but same. Uh, but you know, he is very much a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And that, I think, unless I missed anything, um, covers a very large week. Um, we're back. Oh, also, uh, just quickly, I mean, we Dune just went into production. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit. Didn't they add someone to the cast? I might yeah, uh, uh, Stephen Henderson, who is a theater actor, probably best known for the uh, the adaptation of Fences, and also he was the priest in Lady Bird. Right. Um, and they didn't we, say who he's playing. And we joked about that for a while there, we were getting a new cast edition every th- kind of day or so. And now it's finally starting production. Is he shooting in Montreal again? Is yeah, that, but I think they're shooting in us. Budapest right now. Oh, right. Um, which they also shot Blade Runner 2049. And the other interesting thing is that one character that wasn't cast is is the role that Sting played in the David Lynch version, which is a very significant role. So some people are thinking that um, somebody might appear that's uncredited in in and maybe a final scene setting up the second half because this is supposed to be part one, two two parts, right? And you think it might be Ryan Gosling? <laughs> well, some people have said that. I don't. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, like it. It probably it has to be someone of note because that is a very significant role, and that's like the main it, adversary yeah. of. And you think it'll just be a tease character? in this movie, much like maybe a, the Alita Battle Angel tease? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that we got there which we still won't spoil but uh yeah man i'm excited for dune i'm like it it's uh han zimmer was just announced to be doing the score yeah uh so he's returning after working with uh Villeneuve on, on blade runner yeah and um, greg frazier who shot vice is shooting this one not roger deakins mm-hmm. which I, lo- I love deakins but greg frazier is good too didn't he shoot star rogue one was that yeah, him? yeah. and also a uh, fox catcher right Cool, man. Yeah, I'm excited for Dune. Um, uh, remember when we sat beside Denny Villeneuve <laughs> at First Man? Yeah. That was fun. Uh, good times. All right, thanks, dude. All uh, right. This yeah. is a good one. We're back up to our two-hour mark. We, for a while there, we were... Actually, we pretty much always like net out around this time. I thought we'd go way longer today, but we kept it uh, in a good range. So we're uh, succinct with each other. We're just compatible. Even though we talked for on your show yesterday, and we're going to be doing some more recording later this week for a bunch of reviews. But it's good stuff. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, Eric and I appreciate anyone who actually um, listens to this fucking. Even if you don't thing. listen to the whole thing, like if you just take like what listen to five minutes of it, we still really appreciate that even. Like, yeah. Well, know. they wouldn't be here listening. No, no, no. I know, but I'm just saying. At the end, like, if you've stayed this long, if you stuck it You're out, thank you fan. so much. I don't know how you listen to us for this long, but uh, we truly, truly appreciate it. Um, as always, this has been the Untitled Movie Podcast. You can get a new episode every week on podcast services everywhere. You can get it on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Any other random podcast app that I have no idea about, but I think we're on because I think it just puts it everywhere. So uh, please rate us, uh, share it with your friends, let us know what you comment guys think. as well. Yeah, comment, shoot us a message. Um, uh, we always enjoy that. You, uh, anyone who ever messages us, we we love it. So please yeah. do. Um, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work at untitledmoviepodcast.com and various places around the internet. Uh, and you can follow me on all social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. Um, I'm Eric Marchin, and you can find more of my uh, reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. Just want to give another shout out to Judy Kayla, who's celebrating her 35th work anniversary at the company. Um, And you can find me on all social media platforms at EM6211. Do I know the origin of EM6211? Why? It's It's just my initials and my grandparents' last four digits of their phone number.
Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that. I thought it was a reference to something else. No. But all right. I learned something new about you. That was fun. Uh, until next time, guys, uh, we're in the end game now. Whatever it takes. <laughs>